Welcome to my pod, John Forster Talks to Dynamic Leaders. Here we learn about our winning conditions. Winning conditions is how we deliver that work so that the people, our customers, our audience, accept it in a way that they want to trust and celebrate your work, trust and celebrate you, and give you a seat at the table. And the true value of hard work. They had tires at a couple cones. And these kids are just getting after it. You know, nobody's going to come in this cage and outwork an actuary. What's up, everybody? John Forster here. Episode four of John Forster Talks to Dynamic Leaders. I got with me the COO of DLC Management. Um, he was a, a star on the Rutgers Wrestling Mat. Also the host of the Top Hat Podcast, Retail Retold. You might be following him at a hashtag Ressa on real estate. I got the one and only Chris Ressa. How you making out, Chris? Doing great. Thanks for having me, John. Nice, man. Nice. I was trying to get you on. I know I was listening to a little bit of your podcast before I started this one. Um, so I've been wanting to get you on uh, since the beginning. So glad glad to have you up here. So so how's things going? I'm actually excited about uh, wrestling season starting. I'm, I'm excited to get back to Rutgers for some matches now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for wrestling season. I think every Olympic year, kind of the momentum starts to build up. So my son is three. So we started watching like the trials and then the Olympics. And then this was a unique year, the world championships. And so, you know, now we're getting in from the freestyle to folk style and it's, you know, it's just been an exciting year for wrestling. So there's a lot of momentum behind this season, I think, you know, and a lot of storylines that are going to make it interesting. So. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. I think uh, Gable Steveson. Um, yeah, exactly. That's a big storyline. I think that this NCAA championship is going to be the most watched one with all the hype around him winning the gold medal and signing yeah. to the WWE and the national image name image and likeness uh, allowed to collect money now. I think that's all going to uh, make a big ending to the end of the year that's that's going to be pretty spectacular so i'm looking forward to that so let's get in it you you were uh the man on the Rutgers wrestling mat graduated college you know what was next how did it start out your professional career i was interviewing at a lot of places my senior year and i didn't know what i wanted to do exactly uh, i knew I the fuck yeah. <laughs> i i knew the following i knew i came from pretty blue collar roots. And I knew that I wanted to get a job where I used my brain uh, more than I used my hands. Mm -hmm. So I was interviewing a lot of different places. I had major in economics. And one day our wrestling coach comes in and said, one of the guys he used to coach in little league a long time ago was the head of uh, the corporate real estate for Sherman Williams. And they were coming on campus to recruit. And if I he had no knew anybody, send him over to go interview. I ended up interviewing, taking that job. That was in uh, Philadelphia. I moved to their offices were in Malvern, PA. I moved down to the Philly area and it was a great start to my career. That was, uh, it was a corporate real estate job. So my team's job was Sherman Williams is a Fortune 500 paint stores company. And my job was, running not not me personally but the team's job was running the real estate for their offices warehouses and stores uh and our region was from maryland to maine and all of canada so good corporate real estate job so that's where i went right after college and it was a great experience 
Nice. Excellent. Excellent. So walk us through the journey to how you ended up at DLC from, um, you know, Sheridan Williams uh, to DLC. Yeah. Let's do that journey. I, I really, I, I loved Sherman Williams. It, it is incredible. I ended up connecting with one of the attorneys who had gone to some pretty prestigious universities and I ended up getting my first annual review. I got a perfect score. I got what I considered a modest raise. And I was like, it just had me thinking, you know, how do you get like big money? I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And the attorney had told me that, that I was, you know, became friendly with was like, Chris, do you know how much I make? And he told me, and it was something that I was really shocked how it wasn't a significant number. And he's like, the people who make the most money here, either they like make the paint or the chemist or they sell the most paint. He goes in a retail organization. One of the things that's, you know, as old as the dawn of time is people who come up through the stores and make their way through corporate. They understand the store business, they understand the back office and they understand how everything moves and works. Usually the most successful. You're, you're in the real estate department. You're a function of the business, but you're not the business. So that really had me thinking. He's like, if you want to work in the paint business, you're in the right spot. But if you want to be in a finance company, or if you want to work in finance, go work for one of the better finance companies. When working marketing, don't work in the marketing department for Abercrombie and Fitch. Go work at a marketing company. So if you're in real estate, if you want to be in real estate, you should probably work for a commercial real estate company. So I then a couple of weeks later, I put in my notice at Sherman Williams and I ended up working for a commercial real estate developer in New York City called Ashkenazi Acquisitions. Um, and they're, they're really not a developer. They are a, uh, an invest, investment arm. And then I ended up uh, moving. I was there for a year and ended up moving to DLC management in 2007. And I've been there ever since. Excellent. Yeah. And that, that's a good point. You got to find out where your strengths are going to be the most valid and, um, you know, go from there. So that, that's a good point that you reflected and, and into that direction. Right. So now you're the COO of, um, of DLC. Um, Tell us something. You you got a big team that you're responsible for. Tell us some of the keys to success in managing that large team. The, I, I think, I think, uh, there's a couple of things. So one, when you start moving into higher levels of management, especially coming from wrestling, the world gets a lot more strategic and a lot less tactical. Mm-hmm. I think having the key people that you can rely on to get it done is, is pivotal. So that's the number one thing, which is if you have a mindset of if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. It's going to be really leadership's going to be really tough for you mm-hmm. because you don't have the capacity to do everything. So if your mindset is if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. You got to you're going to have a tough road in leadership, really tough road. So I think that's the first thing. And coming from wrestling, right, individual sport, obviously team sport, but individual that is that's a tough shift for some people for sure. I think the, the, so that's number one is having the, you know, making sure I, I like to say, say in the commercial real estate, I'm in the people business, right? Like it's all about the people. There's no two ways about it. I think the second thing about that from, you mentioned what's 
help through success is I think the second thing is being humble in the fact that you don't know it all. And I think your teams respect that and you bring them into the fold to help you along the way. And you gain a lot of credibility versus constantly barking orders and telling them what to do. And they're like, you know, and they start questioning and not really sure. So I think those are, those are, those are a couple of things. There's a lot of different things, but when I think of the first thing that comes to mind is definitely the people and that you have to be able in order to pull one lever, knock down 30 pins, you have to be able to trust in your team to get things done. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I just listened to um, a post by Ben Askren talking about leadership too. And he's like, you you only have a certain amount of time. And if you want to move up, you got to be able to um, deliver that time among a bunch of people. So you get a bunch of people uh, making better use of your time. I thought that was a, a good take on it. So you, you come in and, and started obviously moving into these different levels of management. What are some of the tools that, that allowed you to form that management style and uh, perspective that you just talked about here? Well, I think there's, there was a lot of things. One, I think from an attitude perspective, I had a lot of good, I, I was connected to a lot of really good mentors and people along the way who I think really instilled some good values and, you know, less life lessons for me. One of those moments in time for me was my freshman year of college and wrestling. So when I grew up, I watched tape with my father all the time. He was tough. He was hard-nosed guy, right? Blue collar. Oh, why did you do that? You got it wrong. You got it wrong. You got it wrong. You got it wrong. So I hated watching film on wrestling. It was the worst. I ended up getting to college and a guy, you know, Steve Cassidy. I remember first film session like it was yesterday and we go in there. And he says, you see that right there? That was excellent, Chris. This over here, here's how I might think about this. Did you ever think of doing it this way? And a light bulb went off. I was like, oh my God, this is fun. This is refreshing. This is great. And I've tried to take that moment and expand that and bring that into my life from a leadership perspective. And I think that's, a, for me, and my personality, I think it's a better way to try to get the most out of people mm-hmm. versus the former. So that, that was one. Uh, two, <clears throat> I think the biggest thing that's helped me in growing as a leader is I think three things, educating network and experience. So studying, reading, taking classes. Two is networking with others, you know, all different industries, all different walks of life, all different capacities. And then three is, you know, trial and error experiencing what works for you and what doesn't. Those are the three biggest things. I think, you know, if you're young in your career and you want to grow into a strong leader, I think start, you know, reflecting on lessons, learning from others, educating yourself, whether that's reading classes, 
what have you. I'm a pretty voracious reader. So uh, I spent a lot of time in my 20s reading. I think number two, every leader I know that's like a, you know, a, a strong leader. One of the things we don't talk about enough is they typically have pretty big networks. Mm-hmm. They've done a really good job of, you know, connecting with others. They have really s- strong social intelligence and EQ and they connect with others. And so I think that's key, expanding your network. And then third is, even if you're not by title and authority, trying things, doing things are, can really help shape you and grow as a leader. So those are three things. Now, a ton of excellent points there. I think one, you know, Steve Cassidy, same thing. I think I learned a lot through him coaching me. And, you know, we weren't we weren't there at the same time. I was a little older than you. But Steve Cassidy, I definitely took a lot of a lot of his uh, management style and brought that into into my uh, corporate world. I think expanding your network, that's something that I tell a lot of people is key to uh, get some other perspectives and talk to other people. One thing that I uh, think that I made the mistake in early in my career is I always talk to the people that were in my chain of command. And that, that was it, right? I, I tried to get as much knowledge of the people that were above me in, in the organizations. And I think getting those other uh, views and other approaches and people outside of where you're at in your own company, in different companies, and in totally other professions is key. And, um, you know, that's something that, that I try to do as well. I know you mentioned, I think another podcast, how many books do you read a year? I think you read a, a good amount, right? Yeah. I, I typically read <coughs> pre COVID. <clears throat> I was reading two books a month. It's 24 so, books a year. That's a lot. Yeah. Good work, Chris, you know, excellent. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. So, Obviously, a lot of a lot of hard work got you where you are today. We talked about you know reading twenty four books a month. You're networking with people. You're um, you know you got your day to day job duties, everything else. You know, tell us some things that went into that that hard work ethic or formed that hard work ethic. I think I think you know the there's clearly a desire to a desire to win kind of mentality that the I have a, I'm a competitive person by nature. So that clearly helps in the, when you're thinking about and you're talking about getting to the next level. And when you're talking about hard work, I think for me, one of the things that hard work really, we don't talk about enough with hard work is sacrifice. And I think, People, there's sacrifices, a, a huge part of getting to the top. If you look at people who were super successful, they've made tremendous sacrifices along the way and that enabled them to put the time into what they wanted to do. And I think it was one of the things that I've done is I, I made a lot of sacrifices along the way uh, in my time and sacrificed other things in order to put in the time to do this job. I think that's, I think that's one of the big pieces and components of hard work. 
Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I mean, I think that's, that's a piece that a lot of people don't see and um, time away from things that you could be doing with friends or family that you're putting in. A, a lot of people don't see that. They see you showing up at the meeting and um, knowing what you're doing and, and they show the, see the financial results. But a lot of times people don't see that sacrifice that is going on behind the scenes. Um, so you're, so uh, retail retold that that podcast is booming. I'm on ex- episode four now. You're episode 140. That's amazing. I think they say you know most podcasts die before 20 episodes. Um, I know I talked to you before I started this one. You gave me some good tips. Um, what are some of the things that you got out of having your own podcast? What you know? Tell it. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think one the number one thing is. I, I've learned from everybody that I've interviewed. So that's number one, right? I've, I learned something every, every time I have an interview. Yeah. Number two, the, it's helped me from the getting better in this digital world. So just learning. So, and you think about how things are done Mm-hmm. And you see things from a social media perspective, like, oh my God, how do they, how do they have the time for that? So, and I'll give you one. People in our industry always say to me, like, how, how much time are you spending on social media for business? And I always have the same response. And I include podcasts as that. Can you hear that in the background? I'm sorry. Uh, no worries. I, a little bit. No worry about it. I think that's oh, one kidding, second. right? That's it how, is. No worries. That happens. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was coming from your end or my end, right? I got the little one here too, but don't worry about it. It's it's life now. So <laughs> people ask me, how often do you, how much time do you spend on LinkedIn? And I, I have the same response every time. Not enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that in this, in this environment where we are moving from technology, digital forward place, this has helped me learn like how to like manage one of those, right? Because we have a podcast, which is audio editing, there's video editing, there's this, and I'm not doing that. There's a team that's doing that for me, but it's helped me understand how this all works. I think that's great. The other thing. I ended up hiring every year. I try to learn a new skill. And yeah. you, 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 you and I've talked about skills. I try to learn a new skill. Mm-hmm. I interviewed a woman on my podcast who also hosted a podcast. Her name was uh, Julia Raymond. And she, we, we said like, what are three things you would do if you had to do it all over again, what were three things you would do if you were going to start a podcast? Mm-hmm. Number one on her list was fascinating, which was hire a voice coach. And I've come up like the sales background and I'm social and I like talking and I know how to communicate. So that didn't really seem, I'm not nervous public speaking. It didn't seem like something that was so intuitive for me. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And I started listening to the podcast and I'm like, ah, there's some ums and fillers and there's this and that. And I'm like, maybe I, that wouldn't hurt. Right. 
And I hired a voice coach. There are certain, I have a lot of work to go, Yes, but it was for the cost. And I still use the person all the time. Ame Bruno, she's great. She's at the West Coast. It, it was fascinating, things I had never thought about. And so that's something I've gotten. My speech has improved significantly, even if I sound <laughs> like today, I've never had actual voice training. I have. Yeah. I just have a lot of work to go. Yeah, exactly. So if someone said to me, like, if you're going to have a podcast, you're going to speak all the time. You should probably try to maximize that, right? Even, you know, Tiger Woods has a golf coach. Why don't you have a voice coach? And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, that's true. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting. That's something I learned. And there's a million other things, but those are a couple. Yeah, no, that, that's great. I think it, it's funny how you, how you mentioned that when you start listening to yourself and you start listening to it, being critical, saying, how many times do I say, um, and okay. And, and those filler words, you, you kind of notice a lot more, um, a lot more than, than you thought. I think um, I'm still learning. I might take your advice to take to grab. I will tell you, well, yeah. here's the other thing that she said when I started before this digital world, there wasn't a lot of opportunity to be coached on. Yeah. But what she does is she just listens to an episode before our lesson of the podcast and makes notes. And we talk about what we went over last time. There's so much available information for her mm-hmm. to actually work off of versus if you wanted to go and you said, I have a, I have a speech in six weeks that I want to prepare for and I want to do better. Mm-hmm. Well, you'd have to provide the speech and then you'd have to like do like practice runs and she'd have to give you like fake material to read off of. She doesn't need any of that. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So many, so many doors of learning are opening up through the last couple of years and, and, and that's great. We need to take advantage of that. All right, Chris. So we're going to end it off. I know your podcast, you always ask your guests three questions at the end. I'm going to flip the script script on you and I'm going to ask you those three questions. So let's go start with the first one. Uh, what is one skill that you don't possess that you wish you did? Photographic memory. I wish I never needed a notebook, a calendar, a to-do sheet, anything. I could walk in to a meeting, people would talk and I could walk out and I memorize it all. Uh, I agree. I agree. That would, that would be a great one. I need to write stuff down or, or I forget most of the material. All I just right. ordered, I just ordered the remarkable two. Have you seen this thing? No, I didn't. I didn't. So you should check out, it's called remarkable and it's like this digital tablet notebook that's blowing up everyone's social media pages. Check it out. I just ordered it. So we'll see how it goes. I might check. I might check that out. All right. Uh, Number two, what is uh, something that most people say that you disagree with? Work smarter, not harder. I I, of course, believe you should be efficient and work smart. I think that's true. I think all too often it, it enables people to create shortcuts when they really should have just grinded through. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll agree with that, too. I think um, I think it should be work smarter and harder. Not work you smarter, go. not harder. I think um, work smarter, not harder says you don't need to work hard. I think you still need to work hard, but 
if you could work smart and work hard, you know, that that's the winning combination. Um, so the last, last one is when was the last time you tried something for the first time? This year I started golfing and I had never been a golfer. It was such a time investment. I don't like being, yeah, knowing I'm going to be bad at something for so long. Yeah. However, all my friends, all my family, and everyone in the business world golfs. At some point, I was like, I need to pick this up. I took lessons this, this spring. I ended up uh, getting on the course a bunch. I went to the driving range a bunch, started golfing, and I definitely have the golf itch now. Ah, uh, nice. That's awesome, Chris. Um, I'm surprised you didn't try that sooner, but I know guys like us, we're getting, you know, you, you got another couple of years before you hit my level, but you can <laughs> see the more physical sports, they're 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 starting to wean down on us. And I think golfing is something we could be playing 10, 15, 25, 35 years from now. I like golfing as well. Hey, thanks, Chris. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Make sure you follow hashtag Ressa, uh, Ressa on real estate. Check out his pod, Retail Retold. Um, also, make sure you follow the podcast. John Forster calls the Dynamic Leader. We are on Spotify. We are, we are on uh, Apple Podcasts. We are on YouTube. We are on wherever podcasts are sold. We'll see you next time and be dynamic.